I tried to follow a script and it didn't work. I wasn't good at it. It wasn't leading me anywhere that was particularly inspiring or something that I wanted to move towards. It was just kind of going through the motions. I mean, sleepwalking through life. Podcast Junkies, episode 1515. Nice. Okay, and we're back, Podcast Junkies. And for those of you that are keeping score, I did miss an episode last week. So my apologies for that. Real life stuff uh, came into play there and for whatever reason. And overall, I'll, I'll, I'll chalk it up to bad planning. The episode did not come out. So it's a lesson learned and I'm sure all podcasters go through this. And um, it's something that I'm going to keep in mind and make sure I, I do what it takes to make sure it doesn't happen again. So I'm going to make up for it by bringing you today's guest, Srini Rao is a prolific podcaster ever since Blogcast FM and now most recently with the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. He's been interviewing a wide range of inspiring and creative and unmistakable guests and it was really an honor and a treat to get to talk to him. I came to know of Srini just by digging into uh, and following up, actually, to one of his emails where he had invited folks to a live uh, podcast session where he was interviewing Justine Musk. And it was here in the L.A. area. So I said, uh, a live podcast. That sounds interesting. I'm going to go check it out. So I did. I was not disappointed. The dynamic of a live show was really fascinating. I really like what he's doing. He's always pushing um, the boundaries of what can be done, not only with his podcast, but with his live conference, the Instigator Experience, and also with the Unmistakable Creative Salon, um, which was the one I intended att- attended. So uh, afterwards, I got to speak to him and, and I learned a little bit more about what he was doing. And I naturally asked him to be on the show and he graciously agreed. So sit back, enjoy the show. And let me know what you think. So, uh, Srini Rao, uh, thank you for making it onto Podcast Junkies. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you making the time uh, to come on. And uh, I'd l- I have to admit that I'm, I'm somewhat new to your work, but not to your, your name. I'd seen mm-hmm. your name uh, floating around the internet, as they say. Yeah. And I think, um, so since I was on an email list of your Broadcast FM, which eventually became the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, I received your invite to the first live event that you were going to do. And obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, podcasts, obviously with a show like Podcast Junkies, you would think that. And so I said, this is interesting because uh, what he's going to do here is the podcast uh, forum, but it's going to be unscripted, uh, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be the live interaction of two people and hosts. I think this should be exciting, at least to watch so I had a, vested, a little bit of an interest in the guest, obviously, as well. You had Justine Musk there. And, but I was actually coming more to see what was, how the dynamic was working. Mm-hmm. And so I showed up, um, and it was just interesting. I had a, a really – I think I talk, talked to you a little bit after, and I had a really, really good experience. Uh, and I think uh, the dynamic of a live uh, podcast is something that people should probably look into doing more. And mm-hmm. I was just wondering, you know, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of the history as we, as we go down this path. But I was wondering, sure. what was it about you that, that – is it something that when you were doing the regular podcast that you felt like you had to take it to, if not an, another level, just a, a different level? Um, you know, the salon was actually born out of uh, a much bigger event, uh, which is the Instigator Experience, uh, which was, you know, multiple guests of ours. And it was, you know, a two-day event, uh, pretty, you know, a much higher end sort of thing. Uh, but really, I wanted an opportunity to to connect with the audience and really see uh, what would happen if we took it in a live format. I don't know that it's taking it to the next level per se, uh, but I thought, you know, this would be really interesting to bring it out into the world because, you know, what effectively what you're doing is what goes on on real tv right uh you know it's like john stewart having a guest and an audience watching and you know i wanted to see with whether my skills would translate to that uh and there's definitely kinks to be worked out in it but uh you know getting the audience to interact and then really uh you know see what it was all like that was really it was cool because it was uh it was very different because you know on the one hand you know people listen to me all over the place but i don't really hear from them unless they write in or they they say something 
And to, to have the audience participation, I think, creates an entirely new dynamic, and it really is, is actually quite different than just doing the podcast. Uh, so I would say, you know, I wanted to challenge myself. Uh, I, I wanted to create another arm of what we do uh, as part of our media brand, and I thought the salon would be a perfect way to start doing that. And the feedback has been pretty stellar. I mean, you were there, like you said. Uh, it needs work. I, I'm not going to say it was perfect. I think we could have easily done better, uh, and we will as as we evolve, as we really understand, you know, how this all works, uh, and and what works for the audience and what works for us. We'll we'll kind of get the dynamic down uh, a bit stronger. So I noticed uh, I was I was watching both sides intently. You as the interviewer, and obviously Justine as the guest. Was there a part of you that was? Uh, obviously engaged with Justine as as you uh, as you were interviewing her and asking her the questions. Was there also another part of you? Because I, I got the sense that you were kind of uh, taking it all in in terms of what was happening mm-hmm. with, with your event. So like the bigger picture of what was happening with your event. I might have like been overreading it, but I got I got the sense that you were kind of trying to take it all in 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 addition to being like the host of that episode. Uh, yeah, you know, and then that's that's there's it's interesting because I mean that's a, a that's a really good point, and you're you've got all these stimuli, right? Like you've got you know the the venue, you've got the audience, so you've got a lot of things to to actually consider. Um, you know, normally I can actually get to the point where I can literally zone in on just the person, and it would be like the audience wasn't even there. Uh, but this was a bit different. I mean, there were some things on my mind and, and I was kind of thinking, okay, you know what, how do I, I think the key really for me in my mind was I was much more conscious of the fact that, okay, it's not just somebody listening. I've got an audience and I don't want to lose them, you know? So it was like, okay, I need to make sure that we go at a pace and we have to create a rhythm and I have to be in tune with what's going on with the audience, right? It's, it's kind of, in a lot of ways, you're a performer, uh, and it's understanding, okay, is my performance causing an impact that I need it to, or am I putting these people to sleep? And that's the, that thing you have to be sort of wary of. And, and so you just, you kind of, it's a, it's a weird sort of dynamic, but that's really, uh, one of those things that I think also, again, will come with evolution to, to really understand it. I mean, I've done live interviews before, uh, but this was definitely different. Because you get the immediate feedback. That's what's fantastic. Like you can, like if someone is, you know, let's say rolling their eyes or just literally like looking at their phone, even something uh, as simple as that, you're like, wow, this person's not engaged. And, and that I, am I not asking the right question? So it's, it's under, uh, it's interesting to see how that is, is a live performance yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, aspect yeah, no to it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'm assuming you, you were, you were happy with the turnout and you have more of these planned. Yeah, we, we're working on more of them, probably in other cities. Uh, we'll do LA again. It, it really all depends on venues and, and the days. I mean, you know, putting it on a Saturday night was uh, an experiment. That happened to be the one night the venue could sponsor us. So we said, okay, we'll take it. Let's just try and see if we can even fill the room. Uh, and, you know, I think we got a pretty good turnout for a Saturday night. Yeah, I think it. Uh, people, the people that were there were pretty excited about it. And I think uh, the Q&A demonstrated mm-hmm. that people were engaged. So I think it went well. Yeah. So... Um, so obviously that was an offshoot. That was a um, an offshoot of the podcast, um, which mm-hmm. is now the unmistakable creative podcast. Yeah. Um, and I've been getting caught up on those episodes as well. And I'm, I've been those have been very entertaining. And I think um, I really ha- wasn't aware to what extent you go out of your way to try to find guests that you don't f- see on other or hear on other podcasts. Yeah. And we tend to be in this vacuum, as you're very uh, aware of, that uh, with podcasting, having this little renaissance again, um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people are learning how to podcast. And I don't know if maybe it's that whole instance, obviously, we can talk about blogging as well. But there was a blogging renaissance at one point where everyone thought they wanted to have a blog. Mm-hmm. And so you see all these people going online, and a lot of those are probably in the blogging graveyards somewhere. And and so it seems like the same thing is happening with podcasts. And naturally, everyone is going to see who's on other people's shows and who are the the quote-unquote names in the entrepreneurial space that I should have on my show. And so you see that. You know, if you go into these shows and you want to learn about some of these newer podcasters, you see the guests they have on. And typically, you start seeing a lot of the same names. And I, I know you and Pat talked about this uh, during your interview with him. Um, so I, I, it seems like you, you, you go out of your way – to find people that are, are are doing something different, and and I'm I'm, I'm assuming that's conscious on your part. To, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that it, is very much a conscious choice. And so talk about a little bit. Uh, is that challenging aspect to your podcast? 
You know, it can be at times, right? Uh, What's interesting is they come in floods. Like I'll just get floods of just fascinating people all at once. And right now I'm in this bizarre phase where I'm like, oh God, I'm like, we're, you know, usually we have about eight weeks worth of content planned ahead of time. And, you know, we're, we're right now in a, in a phase where I'm like, okay, what are we going to do for the next three to four weeks? I mean, it's only two episodes a week, so it, it should be fine. But, and, and, you know, we're building back up the, the, the arc, the, the base, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is absolutely, uh, challenging because you look for stories that other people wouldn't necessarily see something in, uh, you look for patterns and you look for things that, you know, would be very different or distinctive or, you know, for, for lack of a, a less cheesy way to say it's something unmistakable. Uh, and so the byproduct of that, of course, is it's all kind of driven by personal curiosity. I mean, I'll occasionally have somebody that you've heard on another show before, uh, if I really do think that there's something there, because I also have an ability to get things out of them that other people can't. Um, and that's why I think it may, that's what separates me from the pack when it comes to some of these stuff. Uh, and so if, if I do have somebody that is on another podcast, I, I really work hard to push to get something out of them that is a much more story driven angle than the stuff that they've shared elsewhere. Like, you know, if it's, oh, I, I don't care about how to grow a blog or any of that stuff. I mean, we're much more a story driven show, partially because I think that, um, you know, one of the things we realized was that there were certain commonalities between all interviews that made them universally relatable to people. And when they, when they're universally relatable, I think that that creates a very different sort of dynamic. Uh, it it allows us to cross over into an audience that we wouldn't. For example, I have friends who have nothing to do with the online or entrepreneurial world and they listen to us and they listen to things like radio lab and this American life, which is actually really cool. Uh, because we're telling really human interest stories and things that are, are entertaining more than, you know, teaching per se. And if you look at, if you, if you really look at, media and creators and, and, you know, forget, forget just podcasts, but let's look at entertainment in general. Why do we watch Jon Stewart? Why do we listen to Oprah? Because they tell stuff that, you know, they talk about stuff that's universally relatable as human beings. And, you know, I, I think one of my favorite iTunes reviews uh, of our show is, you know, Oprah meets Ted talks is, is what, um, what it's been called. And, and that's, that's, that's a huge compliment, I think, um, to say that, you know, it's a co- comparison of combination of those two things. Both are massive. Um, and so I think that there, there's something to be said for that. Uh, and so it's it's really, to me, I think finding that that story that we can say, okay, you know, there's something about that story that inspires me, entertains me, or does something to me that I want to keep listening. And, uh, and, and you know, and, and not every episode is going to strike a chord. I mean, you've probably heard, you know, we've done stuff with like bank robbers, guys who spent 27 years in prison, ex-monks, uh, you know, and it, it's a wide variety of people. And, and for that reason uh, – we try, I just go out of my way to do it. And it it does get hard at times because, you know, as you level up more finding those stories, uh, the ones that are really worth telling, some of those people are busy and they don't, you know, respond or they're not, you know, they're not, they're not all looking for every opportunity to get interviewed. Some of them will just say no because they, they're, you know, they're not interested. Uh, whereas, you know, we have another, the, the opposite extreme of course, is the people who pitch you all day long because they're trying to be on every podcast and, uh, I, I just don't do that. And then, of course, I think that the whole idea that, oh, you know, you've interviewed me for your podcast, so I should be on yours. That's bullshit. You know, it's like I, I don't agree with that at all. It's like, OK, well, that doesn't mean there's not an obligation of, of exchange here. It's, you know, to each their own. Like if somebody says, no, Srini, I don't think you're a fit. Probably I'm not. You know, there's a lot of people who are not a fit for what we do who think they might be. Uh, and that's that's you know so that that comes with its own set of unique challenges as well. So it's not the easiest thing. It's not impossible, but it's work. You know, you're you're constantly looking for what could be interesting. How do we tell a story? Is there something here worth talking about? Yeah, I, I like the fact that you definitely hold your guests' feet to the fire. And I've you know there's been a couple interviews where, where you can clearly. Um, hear that you weren't happy with the answer that they gave. And then you said, um, actually, I think we're going to dig into that a little bit more. And then, um, I think for even one, I think it was Amy, I forgot her last name, but you, you made a, yeah, you made a comment like, well, you must know that if you've listened to any of my episodes or you, or you obviously haven't listened to any of my episodes, cause you know that I'm like not going to let that one go. And uh, so you make it clear that that that's the approach that you take. And so obviously it's an iterative process. Um, and you've, by virtue of your show getting more popular, you tend to have more or better quality guests. And what I've 
noticed is that you like stepping into the deep end. Yeah, no, I think that's that's absolutely important. I mean, I, the way I, I liken the whole conversation is my, my favorite analogy is one of a wave is that conversation is very much like a wave. You, you keep adjusting to what the wave is doing until you get to the end of the ride. And uh, that leads to a lot smoother of a ride as opposed to trying to, you know, manipulate what the wave is going to do uh, or assuming that the wave is going to do what you want it to do, which it doesn't. So for the listeners who don't know, Srini is an avid uh, surfboarder. <laughs> and it's probably safe to say that uh, surfboarding was something to hold on to. In tough times, when you you know, found that you, you weren't sure what, you, what it is you wanted to do, but you knew for a fact that you enjoyed surfing and you picked that up. Um, and, uh, and you've been doing it for how many years now? Uh, let's see, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. This is going to be the sixth year, actually. I didn't even realize that. That's crazy. I've never done anything that long. <laughs> so for the for folks uh, who may not have heard the story, talk a little bit about why, of all things, to pick of hobbies in terms of you know what, what you wanted to do, why it was something that you latched onto. And when you did, you found it was something um, that, was cons- that you could keep as consistency in your, your life through the ups and downs that you were going through at the time. Um, you know, it, it's part of it is that it grounds you. It's very meditative. It's very, um, spiritual. It's very relaxing. It's strange, right? Cause I think people look at it and it's this sort of extreme beach bum pothead, you know, sort of sport. But the, the reality of surfing is that it's an incredibly, um, spiritual practice and it, it takes you from being in your head to just being in the moment uh, because you don't have a choice. You have to be just right there with the wave and it keeps your mind off of everything. And it kind of centers you. I mean, I, I remember always uh, consistently when I would get out of the water when I first started, I'm like, why do I always feel better and happier after I do this? And I realized, I said, okay, well, of course there is, you know, sort of the chemical aspects of it, right? What happens in your brain when you exercise is dopamine uh, and serotonin gets released. So I, I think that you can't neglect the fact that there is absolutely a chemical aspect of it, but there's also a spiritual aspect. And, you, you know, I, I think that for me, it, it's sort of my connection to a higher power. I'm not religious, um, but I'm spiritual. And so I think that what surfing does, uh, for some, it allows me to tap into something I couldn't tap into otherwise. Um, and, and you know, I, I think that waves and, and surfing on all of it is, is actually a really profound metaphor for what happens in life it, because it, it's always changing. It's always evolving. It's dynamic. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's a totally different thing than anything that you've ever experienced. Uh, because even when you're riding a wave, the wave is constantly changing the entire time that you're on it. Uh, and it's, and so because of that, it, it's, you know, and, and that's pretty much how life goes, right? We, we want things to go a certain way. They don't, you know, you go for a wave and you eat shit. Well, that happens in life. You know, you, you go for something, it doesn't turn out the way you expect it to. Uh, you get caught inside, you know, the white water, you get pounded by waves. I mean, you get beat up and, you know, you get tossed around by the water, but you always come back up and, you know, you always get back up for the next wave. So I think it teaches you a lot about persistence. There, there's a lot of really, I think, amazing sort of life metaphors and life lessons from surfing. And I think that that's part of why it has drawn me in the way it has. Yeah, I think one of the times you mentioned that uh, if you're when you're surfing, there's moments when that, you know, if that wave's big enough, like there's literally like nothing else you can be thinking of at that moment. Because if you if you do, if you, you get distracted, you're going to you're going to like you said, eat shit and you're going <laughs> to. You're going to pay for it in the end. And I've had that happen like when I'm weightlifting like a, a huge uh, weight and you're, you're trying to do a squat and you realize there's nothing else I can think about in this moment. I'm just getting this off the bar and up and down uh, off yeah, the floor. Totally. Um, and there's very few times in our lives or during our work that we have that ability because we're attacked so much um, from so many different sides and, and um, bombarded that we have to go out and find these. And I, I've done it as well. I've been in a flotation tank and, and you get that same feeling because you literally disconnect and you're like, okay, there's nothing else I'm thinking about at this moment except what's going on there. So, right. I, so I think it's, it's very important um, for folks to have at least something. Some, for, some, for some people, it's meditation, uh-huh. um, but for you, it's, it's surfing. So coming back to the the, the challenges we're facing, uh, you started Blogcast FM around 2010? Yeah, that's right. 2010. Uh, February 2010. And that was, at the time, the the idea was to start a podcast about blogging? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it evolved from a little weekly series called Interviews with Up-and-Coming Bloggers, and then eventually it became uh, Blogcast FM. And uh, 
so yeah, I mean, that's initially the show was a business. It was a show about, you know, how to do online business more than anything. And, you know, we kind of shifted directions this year a bit. And you, you, you're very open um, about all the challenges, you know, with all the things you've tried to in the past to start up with. At the time that you were doing Blogcast FM, was it just like, okay, I got another idea and this one is now maybe I'll do a podcast about blogging. Let's see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, you know, each one, um, you know, like, you know, remember we talked about the idea of little bets at the salon, but uh, it started out with, okay, let's do this as a weekly series on the blog, on my School of Life blog. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm onto something here. So let's take it out and spin it out as a separate site. And then, of course, you know, with that, you start trying all sorts of things. Uh, again, you know, things that are of low risk, but potentially high reward or, you know, something. So, for example, you know, when we do an event like Instigator Experience, I didn't know that it was going to turn into this huge thing. I've literally threw out a landing page and I said, let's see if anybody would even come, you know, would, if they, if I said, if I, if I put out a concept that this is what I'm working on, will anybody show up? Uh, well, is anybody going to be interested and how do I figure that out? And I was like, Oh, okay, it's simple. I'll write some copy. I'll put up a landing page and we'll see what happens. And I started promoting it and bit by bit it, you know, what was not, what was something on, on a piece of paper, um, started to become reality. Yeah. And I think what you wanted to do with the instigator ex- experience, um, is do something different. And I, mm. I think you've always wanted to do something that's not n- normal. Like you said, I, I think you were in one of your interviews, you were talking about it. Uh, you wanted it to be the Cirque du Soleil of mm-hmm. conferences. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. you know, if, if normal conferences are held in a, in a hotel, then we don't want it in a hotel. If they've got like bright halogen lights and, you know, we don't, we don't want that. You know, if they're all indoors and, you know, we don't want that. And I think you even had uh, different sets for mm-hmm. each of the speakers. So, um, I think you've always challenged yourself to to think outside the box and something different. Yeah. But the other thing is that that uh, a comment you made during the live show is that you get so worked up about putting this thing together that even like the day that it was over, you said you were already thinking about next year's episode, uh, next year's uh, conference. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I think you were talking to Sam Polk, and you, you said that uh, you mentioned you didn't even have time to savor the live event. So uh, I was wondering if you could talk a bit about that, like the the feeling that you always have, like you're always in motion, um, and if that's yeah. something you, you struggle with. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually really interesting. I was thinking about uh, about this the other day. Uh, at, you know, one of the one of the things that somebody told me uh, after a really big sort of creative endeavor is you actually have to have something planned next. Uh, because otherwise what it'll do is they'll send you from this to this, like you go from this incredible high to this just horrible low, uh, because you don't have, you know, your entire life's purpose has been that for nine months. So you have nothing to follow it up. And that I think was my big mistake. Uh, you know, I do think it's important to breathe and to savor something. The problem is I didn't have a, a what's, I, I should have had an immediate next plan to get to work on. Uh, and it shouldn't have been, you know, a month apart. It should have been like a week at most. And then I needed to get to work on a project, and I didn't have a project. I was kind of fumbling around um, and just kind of, you know, maintaining what we had done so far. So you, so you think uh, the fact that you actually moved into it, uh, into your next or the planning stages for the next event, was actually a good thing? And you- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably should have, bre- I should have breathed a little bit. I don't know. Here's the thing: I don't know that moving into the planning stages for the next event, next instigator, was a wise idea. I should have had something like a, a bridge. Uh, I think you need a bridge to get from one thing to another so that the high, you know, you don't go from high to low. And that's what, that's what I found. Uh, somebody, I don't remember who it was. Somebody had told me how important that is. And so that being said, now that the wheel's in motion, uh, I imagine you, you, you're well underway to starting next, uh, next year's event. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's still a lot of questions, uh, because there are things that we didn't do right this year. Um, there are things that we could do better. Um, so we're trying to get all those questions answered, but yes, Absolutely. Would you say you're harder on yourself than uh, an outside observer um, would 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 paint the picture as? Yeah, I think so. I mean, at, at least I hope so. You know, I, I think that we 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 set a standard, and and I think that that's that's the scary thing. Like we we exceeded a lot of people's expectations, and we really blew them away enough that they're like, we can't wait to come back. And I guess the the thing about that that's that's hard is okay, that's awesome. And holy shit, we have to deliver again. And we, we, we don't just have to deliver. We can't just do the same thing. Like we have to, we have to basically say, okay, what do they expect? You know, and how do we do something that they won't expect constantly is the question that we're asking. 
But you never feel like it's something uh, that you dread, right? You, I mean, you're I'm, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's it's painful. It's agonizing. It's stressful. It it, it keeps you up at night. Um, it you know, I mean, the weeks leading up to it are intense and crazy. And you know, you you want everything to go right. I mean, you know, you you just go. I mean, the people who work around you realize that they get to see the most insane sides of who you are. Uh, at least if you're who we are, you know, like we go into details, we look into every corner. It's like everything. It's like, okay, what do the name tags look like? Okay. Why are they not cooler? Um, how is this, you know, how is this unmistakable or how, how is this something unexpected? It's like, okay, well, we got to change that. Uh, you're, you know, what's the entrance to the venue going to be like, well, okay, we got to change that. Uh, why are the chairs set up this way? Uh, well, this doesn't work. It's not unexpected. You know, it's like, okay, we need to do something different. So you're, you know, I mean, it, so it is, um, it is an incredible amount of stress, but when you get done with it, you know exactly why you did it. You know, I would kill to be back in that time right now. It was one of the funnest times of my life. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I've already uh, signed up. So um, um, cool. I'm excited to see how that turns out. Um, I, I feel like you're the type of person that, uh, like, like you, you mentioned, is always trying to uh, improve themselves. And I, and I think that speaks to uh, what you're doing with the podcast. I've, I've been reading the book as well, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of lot of quotables in there. And I and I think um, is a, a lot of the book um, a summary of some of the the writings that you you had had on on the blog. Yeah, uh, on Facebook actually. Uh, you know, just like random essays compiled together into this you know thing that. Uh, yeah, that that eventually became the art of being unmistakable, and you know, kind of moved us forward in a big way. The overarching theme, um, as I was reading the book and having listened to some of the podcasts and the folks that you talk about, um, is that you you were always struggling to find out what it was that you were meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned in the book, like the, like things only have a way of working themselves out. Once you're in pursuit of them, so I thought that was a fantastic idea, and maybe we talk about that a little bit because you didn't you didn't have it a clearly identified thing that you want to be known for or you want to do or you want you know, uh, Srini is the the guy or you know I'm I'm the productivity guy or I'm the blogger guy or I'm the podcast right. guy, but I think um, you had this mentality that as you work through this, it would kind of your calling would come to you. Is that is that a safe way of saying it? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think that, you know, when you, the problem with sort of the way most people approach this stuff is they're all waiting for something like a sign from God or, you know, something to fall from the sky or some calling or some moment. And I don't think it really works like that. And I think that action basically is what creates clarity. Uh, you just, you know, each step forward reveals something new to you that you didn't know before. And I think, and I've said that before numerous times. And so I think the only way to find out is to try different things. I mean, I, you know, I did not sit here with a plan to build this at all. That's not where we plan to end up. I mean, if you had told me five years ago, Hey, you'll be you know doing an event, you'll be, you know, speaking at different conferences. I was like, you know, I just wanted to start a blog that would help me get a job. That's all I had started with. And I didn't expect it to turn into this. Is there, was there challenges? Cause I, I didn't see a lot about it. And I'm wondering like from a family perspective and you know, I'm, I'm Latino. So, you know, in, in terms of like the, the different cultures that come into play and, and the, the, uh, the expectations of parents of what your son is going to be when they grow up and you know, the, the oh, you got to, um, have this life, go to this college and study this. And how much of that was bearing on you during those earlier years? And, and did, did you have this feeling that you weren't living up to your family's expectations? Um, I, I wish that it, it was only in the earlier years. It's still there, you know, to be honest, uh, if we're being very can- candid. I mean, I still struggle with that uh, at times. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. It's it's partially cultural. It's partially an age thing. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's there kind of as an undertone. And I don't know that you overcome it entirely. And you're always kind of – Looking, but I mean, you get to a point where you realize, okay, well, the only person who d- deals with the consequences of your choices, really, at the end of the day, is you, uh, and you kind of have to own that. So you may think, okay, you know, I, I need to do this so that somebody else will be happy. But at the same time, you're like, well, what about me? You know, I mean, maybe that's selfish, but like, I'm not, you know, like I tried to do that, and that's the thing is that I I tried to follow a script and it didn't work. I wasn't good at it. Uh, I mean. <laughs> It wasn't leading me anywhere that was particularly inspiring or something that I wanted to move towards. It was just kind of 
going through the motions. I mean, sleepwalking through life, not realizing that, wait a minute, I've got the thing is, I think when you do that, it actually blinds you to whatever your true gifts might be. And, and that's, that's hard, you know, because sometimes your true gifts don't align with the way you've been brought up, um, or what you've been taught. And that's not anybody's fault because, you know, they just don't know any better. Like we live in a very different world than the one, you know, our previous generations lived in. And, you know, I'm 36 and I, I look at, you know, these, these 20 something kids and I'm like, wow, I mean, you don't like, they, they don't have any concept of a non-Facebook world, uh, which is bizarre. Like, I mean, when you talk to somebody who can't imagine a life without Facebook, it's, it's a really strange thing to think, okay, that's, that's a little bizarre. I mean, that makes you feel old and you realize, okay, I'm, I'm quite a bit older. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like every every year, they always have that that I think that meme. It's like if you were born like in, in this er, uh, age, then you don't know what this is. Like you know, Gilgan's Island or some mm-hmm. so, all this stuff we grew up on, or just like every kid is now conditioned that when a picture is taken, like I want to see it now. Like right? Can you turn that that box around so I can see what it looks like? And like growing up, I was like, oh no, you have to wait. Like you have to go to the photo mat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, get, definitely. Get this stuff um, uh, taken care of. So. I I really resonate like with a lot of the stuff you say because I you know I struggle with that you know I'm I'm probably in the in the point of the the arch where I I know that I want to do something on my own I still have my regular uh, nine to five but I want to do something that has meaning if only for myself and you know you you made it clear when you in, when you talked about it in the book that those things that we people think are important. Um, your education, I think you meant your bank account, GPA, like those things at the end of the day are social markers. Um, mm-hmm. And if you continuously hold yourself up to to those social markers, you're probably never going to get to the point where you either you know either you're satisfied or the person that you think is watching you is satisfied. Right. So, like, t- talk about the importance of like creating like almost like your own blueprint without anyone. It's hard because I know social pressures like tend to affect all of us and it's probably why people get married and have babies and stuff but how, how do you fight that that's a tough question uh i wish i could tell you i had some straight answer i don't know therapy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh that's you know there's a lot of inner work that that gets done to to deal with all of that i don't know that anybody has an answer to that uh i think some people are just immune to it uh I'd love to tell you that I don't struggle with it, uh, but I do. I mean, because I was raised by a lot of those standards. Uh, those are very ingrained into who I am. And I still, you know, I mean, I still get caught up in it, man. Uh, you know, like I, this year, it's weird, right? If you, if you think about it, it's easy to, to go down this route and still be a victim of that same sort of belief system uh, because I've just replaced those accolades with a best-selling book and, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow, how is that any different? It's actually not. I still haven't let go of this issue uh, in a lot of ways. The fact that you set up a different set of my, of uh, goalposts then? Well, you know, you mentioned social markers. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like if you, if you just – if you change the context but you still have the social markers, they're still the social markers. Yeah. And that's – I think, you know, and, and that's, that was a troubling realization for me to come to. Uh, to say, wow, okay, you know what? I haven't dealt with the major issue here. Is that this is all external validation? Why, you know, what the hell? Do you find that um, through talking this out with your guests, that it, it helps you kind of figure it out for yourself as well? Yeah, I mean, large, largely. I mean, a lot of the way I, I talk to my guests is based on my own curiosity and my own intuition and things that I want to know. Uh, you know, I mean, and of course, that's a lot of that does come from what I'm dealing with personally or what I'm being challenged by and, um, what I'm trying to figure out. Uh, and, and so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of the challenge, um, that you allude to is that we're, we tend to not be present, um, in, in what we have in front of us or, and, and we're always like, it seems like we're always grasping for some sort of something in the future that, we feel like we should be uh, uh, trying to attain that. That'll, and then that once we have it, we feel like, okay, now I've some imaginary like level that we're at or pedestal. And, and I think what your point is that, is that that doesn't exist, right? No, it really doesn't. Uh, you know, Sean Acor likes to say that he said, what happens is your brain changes the goalpost for what success looks like every time you experience a success. So your standards change. And that's, that has its pros and cons. I mean, obviously you, you keep pushing, you know, higher. Uh, but, it can also, you know, I mean, and, and that's, 
it, like you grow as a result. Obviously, you try to accomplish more. I mean, you know, we went from what we were two years ago to, hey, you know, now we're putting on an event, which is, is you know, a real production, and a lot of work and involves, you know, tons of moving parts and tons of people and uh, contracts that are far bigger than anything I've ever signed and budgets that are far bigger than anything I'd ever worked with. And I had to learn, you know, I mean, you adapt, but now this, and then the standard goes up again. You're like, okay, how do we, how do you keep pushing it? And so, no, I, I don't think you, I, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's, it's an interesting balance of becoming content, but also continually pushing to do, to be, to, you know, do better. With the, this thing, um, always in the in the background or the foreground, depending how much control you have over it, uh, your ego, right? Because yeah. to what extent is this all driven by whether we um, announce it or not? That there's something out there that there's an ego driven goal at the end of all this. Yeah, uh, who knows, man? I mean, that's that's another one of those very sort of complicated questions. Sometimes I think half this stuff could only be answered by you know therapy and counseling, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's weird because I don't think we quite understand all of it. Uh, It's a lot of this stuff, you know, it just takes takes work to figure out. It takes a lot of inner work. It takes a lot of patience. Uh, You know, I mean, I think that a little bit of ego is healthy because if it's completely non-existent, you're just like, oh, okay, you go through the world and I don't care, Uh, which doesn't really work. I mean, you can't just float through the world doing nothing. Uh, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's the it's the kickstart or the fire you need to kind of get to that next level because you need a, a little bit of that yeah. uh, to say, well, if I'm going to do it for if I can't get anything else to give me that kick in the ass, then maybe it's the ego at least it'll it'll get me. Yeah, yeah little, exactly. And and I know that you're you're not a fan, you know you just um, I think you said the ego is the the bullshit version of yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the thing is that it like the if if ever if you are fully in your ego and that's what drives everything you do, that's a uh, that's tough. I mean, then you're you're constantly setting up yourself for for dissatisfaction and failure and disappointment because that's what gets bruised when something bad has when something bad happens or something unexpected happens um, or something you don't want to have happen happens. Your ego is what really takes the hit uh, and. You know, it sucks because whereas, you know, when we put that book out, I didn't think much of it. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, like it was like, I'm just going to put this book out into the world and let's see what happens was my attitude. I didn't expect it to turn into the the craziness that it did. That's the uh, the Glenn Beck effect now, we can call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it. I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone that comes across that tidbit, you know, um, I don't know what combination of keywords will get you there, but if you do Srini and the and the and the book or or the podcast, inevitably they show videos as well. And and then so when you see a picture of Glenn Beck talking to you, I'm like, well, this this, this should be interesting. And you, you, you go into details. So I won't uh, belabor the point when on um, Pat Flynn's interview how that was. And what I thought was interesting there is that at some point you you actually didn't know anything about him, but you at some point made a deliberate decision to stop reading about him because you wanted to go in with a fresh set of eyes, if you will, and, and just have an interaction with this person on a one-to-one basis and just see how it went from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I knew that he had been vilified by a lot of people. So I thought, okay, you know what? Who am I to judge? I don't know anything about the guy. I'm like, I want to go see him as a person, not as a persona, uh, which is a big difference. I, I, it's, I almost think it's, it's almost a, a result of what you're doing with um, – the creative, um, the creative podcast, and and where you're kind of looking to see the best of what these people have in terms of their creativity, and you sure painted him in that same light as well as like the, the guy is obviously to, by some measure successful, um, mm-hmm. um, and there must be some aspect of what he does there. So, was that? Did you feel like that was um, a back and forth? Because they probably only showed a certain excerpt of what what it is you guys talked about when you were on there. But uh, was there some back and forth going, or was it just mainly him curious about what got you to um, it? I think this time you know, it was mainly him curious about me, but I am going to be interviewing him uh, very soon, so that's going to be interesting because uh, then we'll get to get that side of the whole story about how he approaches his work and kind of how he sees the world. Uh, you know, it, it, that absolutely is, is, is one of those things that's, it was, like I said, fascinating, but I, I think that that's the advantage of not doing research is that you don't go in with any judgments or preconceived notions. You just go in ready to jam. Uh, and I don't know that everybody can get away with that. Uh, I think I certainly can just because I've developed the skill of doing it, but I couldn't have done it four years ago. 
is it something conscious where you feel like, and obviously, you know, I call this podcast junkies because I'm, I'm fascinated by the process. So I, I always want people to get a little insight in terms of like how things are produced or, or what challenges people are facing. So as you transitioned and what all the lessons you learned from broadcast FM, um, what were some of the things in terms of um, your either your interview style or or how you talk to guests that you saw yourself um, that you saw the evolution? Yeah, um, what I would say is as far as evolution of my style. I mean, it, my style used to be focused on how to do things as opposed to really drilling on the story of the person that I'm dealing with. Um, you know, and there were certain interviews, the ones that really struck a chord, we found out had a lot more to do with the story of the person. We said, okay, this is what people want. This is what entertains them. This is what inspires them. So let's do more of this. And what we figured out is that we can get that out of everybody. Uh, it's based on how I ask questions and, and how I choose sort of the, the direction of the conversation. And so that's, that's how that came about. So one of the things you talk about is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't always be worried about what other people think. You had it in your book. You said, hey, you should read this again. I think you, you had the quote there. It's worrying about what other people think is a jail of our own creation. And the irony of it is, is those that people, those people are in the, jail, then the jail with us. What do you mean by that? Um, well, the thing about it, right? Who doesn't worry about what other people think? You know, um, all of us, right? And so we're always worried about what other people think, forgetting that, by the way, that person who you're worried about, you know, thinking, you know, who they're worried about, what they're going to think about you, they're also worried about what other people think about them. Everybody is. So, do you still struggle with that? Do you still worry about what other people think? Yeah, to some degree. I don't think that any of us are completely immune to it. I don't know that you're ever completely immune to it. Like, I don't think you can just say, "Oh, who gives a shit what anybody thinks," right? I think you just have to be aware that it's going on. Do you feel like where where you're headed with the things that you got in motion? Um, I don't. I mean, obviously, you're not going to have a feeling like I'm. I'm. This is a success, or I've made it. What are the things that that are challenging you? Where you, you still have that nagging in the back of your head that, like, oh, I, I don't feel like I've made it in this particular aspect of my life. Um, you know, the, the the reality is that we are trying to really push this to another level entirely, uh, to like Ariana Huffington, you know, sort of big media brand level, and that's that's an evolution that I'm you know making and, and having challenges with because it's a, it's a different ball game when you want to do things on that level. You know, you have to make the right connections. You have to choose how you spend your day differently. It all changes. I mean, it definitely is not the same when you're aiming for something much, much bigger. Uh, And so, how you grow into that, and and the thing is, here's what here's what happens. I think is, is here's a good way to put it: is when you start. You you start out with things that are very tactical and and you can actually go through the motions to get there. It, honestly, like anybody who's willing to sit down and keep doing everything every day will get there. But what happens is as things become more abstract, it's not clear. You know, oh, here's the how-to guide. It's like here's your how-to guide to evolve into the next Ariana Huffington. It doesn't work like that. You know, you you really have to figure out. Um, it, it's it's all, it's very different than sort of the tactical, you know, go through the motions. It's okay. How am I going to make the connections that are going to get me that, that big? How am I going to, you know, how am I going to put this in front of a million people? Um, and those are the things we have to think about. Do you feel like you have the, the, the pieces in place to get where you want to be in six months or a year? Yeah, I would say probably a year. Uh, I mean, we have the pieces in place now, you know, and the thing is it's that next evolution. How do you go from here? Like we hit a plateau. Yeah. And it's like, how do you go from this plateau to the one that's like much, much, much higher than this? Is is do you ever feel like you're juggling, you're juggling too much at one time? Like you should just be focused on growing the podcast, or because there was a point where you had no, you, know, no. You, you have the blo- you have the blog, you have the podcast, you have the live salon, and now you're going to have the conference, and then this probably umbrella of everything. No, is the media I mean, I, well, yeah, I mean that's the idea, right? Is, is so no, it's not focusing on too many things at one time. I think that each one of them play, is is actually they're all interconnected. Right, they all feed each other. Do you feel like you're making up for lost time? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, maybe to some degree. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I don't think I could have done this when you know I was younger. There's, we just didn't have the tools or the technology. I just want to switch gears for a bit and, ter- and talk about how you go about getting the guests that you have on the show, mm-hmm. and if is is it still something that you're actively involved in, or or do you have other people? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I am definitely actively involved in it. I mean, I choose every single person who goes on the show. There's certain things that I probably wouldn't let go of. I mean, part of part of my gift is also the ability to select people, um, and to filter and to curate. Uh, you know, I think that that's one of those things that I have an eye for that is probably, to be, pretty blunt, better than most people's. 
I just, I, it's one of my, that's one of my gifts. I mean, I, I have a unique eye for spotting things that would make good stories uh, and, and would lead us to, to a fascinating conversation. And I, I don't get that you'll, you'll ever feel you got to a point where you're running out of people that you can talk to. No, no, I, I don't think so either. Because um, I always look for things. Like I said, I look for things that other people wouldn't think to look for. So, so yeah. I mean, I, and I've always focused on, okay, how do we make the highest quality thing possible? And uh, in terms of the production, um, are you looking for opportunities with the fact that you're doing two episodes a week to automate a lot of this as possible? Or some point, yeah. I mean, I'm still doing a lot. Like I'm still, you know, I'm still working on. Part of the reason I do the editing is because it gives me a chance to listen to my own work uh, and really go back and critique it. I noticed that a while back. I thought about outsourcing, and I noticed the more that I started to listen to the podcast the better I got at being an interviewer because I could hear what I didn't ask or hear where things could have been better or listen to what threads I should have, you know, dug into that I didn't. Um, cause I still make mistakes, you know, I mean, there's plenty of episodes, even very recent ones. Where I'm like, okay, that could have been better. Yeah. Or wow, I missed up. I missed an opportunity to ask a really smart question that would have been better than the one I asked. So I, I imagine the takeaway there then is to just sounds cliche, but obviously be always honing your craft. Always- yeah, honing your craft. I mean, and really being a student of your craft, right? Like, if you're a student, you you know, if you're if you're a student studying, right? What do you do? You review the work. Um, you review your homework. You you go home. You do homework. You review the material. And after you review the material, you get a more in-depth understanding of the material. And of course, conveniently, we also learn. We have a lot of useful information at our disposal. I mean, one of our listeners jokingly said that I've given myself an MFA in everything. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, when you you first had your first very first podcast going back that far. You the, had you had any training about how to interview guests or how to? No, just, you I mean I just picked up a microphone and started talking to people. Uh, I've never had any professional training in any of this. And so I think what's important for people to understand is um, you only learn by doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and that's something uh, I'm, I'm definitely taking to heart because I'm, I, like I mentioned, getting started, and uh, you, you've been an inspiration. Um, Thanks. And uh, I really look forward to what, what you got lined up. You're very inspiring, and, and, and to be honest, I think I just want to put into context. Like when I first heard about you, I kind of have lumped you into the internet marketer like category, right? And I was like, ah, oh, I mean, this is just another email I'm going to get, and I was probably close to like unsubscribing at some point, but you know, f- for whatever reason, and you know things happen uh, for a bigger purpose. And I was like, okay. And I think that all led down to this path where I, I now know more about what it is that you're doing and have mm-hmm. an appreciation for the fact that you take um, pride in your podcast and in the quality of your show. And I think it's for other podcasters that are listening. I think it's really important um, to take heed to that, that, that says, uh, don't, try not to do, I think what everyone else is doing. Um, mm-hmm. Is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah. Safe to say, easier said than done. Yeah. I just want to be uh, respectful of your time. And, and uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on. And um, I, I think uh, with all the things you got coming up with uh, the Instigator experience and the, the, the fantastic guests you have on the show, I think um, it's something people should uh, listen to if they, they aren't already. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if uh, so, in ter- with all that stuff that's on your plate, where should people go for uh, um, the- unmistakablecreative.com? Yeah. Is where you want to send them. Yeah. Okay. Thanks again, Srini. Yeah, my pleasure. So, definitely a lot of information there. I, I, this is one of those ones where you might have to play this back because there's just, uh, just like his book, when I was reading it, I, I got the same experience where I had, I was pausing, I was cutting, cutting and pasting quotes into my Evernote. So it, I really was inspired by a lot of the things he was talking about. I really resonated with that comment towards the end where he was suggesting that it made sense to continue to review and edit your own shows. And I, I, there's probably two schools of thought on there, and, and I'm sure people are going to end up on, on both sides of this discussion. Me, myself, I, th- I, I think there's value in editing your own show, and I'll probably continue to do that in the short term because I, for, for all the points Srini outlined. So let me know what you guys thought of it. I, I enjoyed it, and it was uh, I, I really felt like uh, it was the first guest that probably had had that many shows so i was talking to a really experienced uh, interviewer and uh was trying to not fanboy out too much on that aspect of it 
And I think as I listened back, there's probably one or two questions that I could have asked differently or, or actually asked, but uh, you live and you learn. So, so I'll take this time to do my periodic request of the listeners, if you haven't already. And I know it's a pain in the ass because when I'm asked to do it, I try to set aside time and, and I jot it down and I make sure I basically have to block out days for doing reviews because I, I definitely want to pay it forward and pay it back, I guess. You can go both ways on that. So, um, yeah, so uh, podcastjunkies.com uh, slash iTunes. We'll take you to the iTunes page and there you can go in there and review. Reviews are the lifeblood of this podcast. So please, if you've got a couple of minutes, uh, just uh, let us know what you think. And uh, you can always send us feedback every every time we do a, a show. The, the podcast show notes page has a whole feedback section. So no matter where you are, you can give us uh, any, uh, feedback via an e- email, uh, SpeakPipe. Or uh, just actually directly in the show, there's uh, the comment section there. You can just write something there, and as some people have done with past episodes. Thank you very much. So, in uh, like I mentioned last episode, we are going to just reference the song we talked about, and it's just a, a nice little uh, mix to, to keep, uh, mix of um, media to keep you guys um, a bit entertained. If you're on the show notes page, you can check out the the uh, the music we provide there courtesy of cedar and soil as always he provides a fantastic uh, list of music and this episode's is july talk now according to george they're not easy to pigeonhole so i'll, I'll give you his uh, his recap that he provides me every episode uh, for us to read through and he says imagine tom waits and amy milan shouting whiskey-soaked lullabies while backed by Crazy Horse, and you'd have a start. Striking a balance between Americana and indie rock, Julie Talk's Beauty and the Beast aesthetic burns a little going down, but leaves you wanting more. Paper Girl is a good intro to their unique sound. Make sure to check out their video repertoire here. So I'll provide the links. Sounds fascinating. Uh, You really should uh, check it out. Every episode, he provides a wide range, an eclectic mix of music, and uh, it's a little something for your weekend. So this is actually 4th of July weekend, so if you're listening to this on schedule, then have a happy and safe 4th. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, I hope you had a fantastic 4th. And if you're not in the United States, then muchas gracias por escuchar este podcast And I hope you had a fantastic weekend anyway. See you next week, guys.